Learn which companies are using sound best by downloading Veritonic's 2019 audio logo index. Just visit thesonictruth.com. Welcome to the Sonic Truth Podcast. I challenge anyone to scan the news for five minutes these days and not find an article about podcasting. From the steady flow of great, entertaining programming to the flurry of acquisitions, podcasting has never been hotter. According to the IAB's latest report, it'll be a billion-dollar business by 2021. Megaphone occupies a unique place in the space, having recently shifted its business to a pure podcast monetization platform. I sat down with Ken Lagana, Megaphone's head of ad sales, revenue operations, and marketing, to find out why and get his take on the winning podcast playbook for brands on this episode of The Sonic Truth. My name is Ken Lagana. I oversee uh, the ad sales team, revenue operations team, and sales marketing team here for uh, for Megaphone. A lot of people don't know this, but some do. But Megaphone was started as a subsidiary of Slate. And if you know anything about Slate, you know that they have um, really always been a, a digital first um, news organization, if you will. So we were we were born out of Slate, and and have always had sort of that digital first mindset, if you will. And so, um, and so, you know, going back to those, to those, you know, early days, um, we launched our, our first podcast in 2005. And from 2005 to, to 2018, we've roughly launched either combination of, of 300 original podcasts or um, original pieces of branded entertainment or branded content that we're, where we've woven brands into that content. And so, you know, from that 2005 to 2018, we, we, we learned a lot. And, and again, talking about first mover, we were, we were truly a first mover. But what became very, very apparent um, in, in, those, in those early years and then, you know, fast forwarding to today – is um, you know there was a a massive white space in the podcast market because again a lot of a lot of the um, more traditional and I I'm doing air quotes here for those of you that that's not helping the audience I'm I'm air quoting but um, a lot of those more traditional um, you know podcast providers had more of a lineage in in terrestrial radio and just thought very differently about. Um, advertising and marketing and and things of that nature and and I think the the white space that we saw and over the you know roughly you know I've been here almost a year and a half at this point I've probably done twenty five hundred to three thousand client meetings and and there were very consistent um, I, I think themes that came out of a lot of those meetings and it was we love podcasting everybody's listened to podcasting. We, we know that. We know our audience is there. We know it's an amazing, intimate, engaging platform. We know all of that. But we got four big challenges, or, or, and, and they didn't lay it out that clearly, right? I, I sort of pieced this together after all these meetings. But it was, you know, the reach and scale is, is, is really challenging if I have to buy, in, you know, individual podcasts. Um, measurement and attribution is a is – a, you know, huge challenge uh, in this space. Um, you know, the the efficiency by which it it takes to get a podcast, it, it's an inefficient platform. It's really hard to put a podcast plan together. You have to, there, there's no MRI or billboard charts, if you will, where a, a planner or a, a VP of marketing at a client can, can just go, oh, these are the 
you know, top 10 podcasts that I, I need to be on. It's a lot of legwork that's involved. So it's a really inefficient process. And then, and then lastly, and this isn't a huge thing, but brand safety did pop up. Um, because historically, the way that you worked in podcasting is you worked with the host and hosts read your ad. You didn't really have the opportunity to, to pre-approve those ads um, before they went live. And if a host went off script and said some things that you, you just had to be comfortable with that, right? And a lot of conservative brands aren't necessarily comfortable with that. So as these themes continued to um, to arise – you know, we we knew we had a tiger by the tail, and and we just had to we had to jump on it. So, you know, we 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 changed our business model a, a little bit um, towards the middle to end of last year. We we got out of the original podcast production game. We really weren't doing uh, branded content anymore. And look, these were hard decisions for us to make because at one point, you know, we were producing you know a couple of dozen original uh, podcasts and some of the biggest uh, you know in the marketplace. Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. Yeah, I love Malcolm. It's hard to walk away from Malcolm, but um, you know, we 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 had to. You know, skate where the puck was going, if you will. I, I can't believe I just used that uh, phrase, but but we had we had to, and and so we, you know, we determined to you know to cut loose on the on the branded content and the the podcast space, and we we really chose to focus on two um, really specific things, which was continuing to create the best ad tech platform in the space for podcasters. And, um, you know, creating the best ad services team, product, and offering in the space. And, um, you know, I, I think we've been incredibly successful and to some degree, um, you know, I think have, have created a, a, a pretty big marketplace for, you know, for, for this space specifically. Right. No, that's, an, that's an interesting, you know, to have the discipline to kind of pivot there because, you know, it's, it's always hard to do something that's working because obviously some of those podcasts are great podcasts. So. Um, so how, how is it different like today? You know, been here for a year and a half. Like what, what is the, what does the day to day look like? And, and why is, I guess, why is megaphone different than every, everything else that's out there? Yeah. So, so, you know, again, the, the, the big differentiator for us is, um, is from a, from an ad sales or, or ad services standpoint, we really have two major components of our business. The megaphone targeted marketplace allows, um, you know, uh, advertisers for the first time to connect with over a thousand podcasts. We're going to deliver over, you know, half a billion on-demand audio impressions next month. So, you know, when, when, when uh, advertisers talk about having a, a relative scale challenge, they don't have a scale challenge with, uh, with Megaphone today. Um, from a measurement and an attribution standpoint, um, when we built our platform, we built it with a connection to uh, Nielsen's Exalate platform. And so for the first time in podcasting, you've been able to uh, target demographics and, and psychographics. So if I have an advertiser that's looking to reach women 18 to 49 who are in the market for a luxury automobile in the next 30 days, you come to Megaphone and we have it. and We can scale that audience. So again, nobody in the podcast space has ever uh, been able to do that before. So that was that was revolutionary. Um you know, and then and then uh, because we are delivered dynamically, we're we're um, announcer read. Advertisers have the ability to 
pre-screen their creative. So for brands, you know, they're they're really comfortable with that. They have the ability to 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 create that approval before, you know, we set it live. And then, you know, part of our, you know, the other part of our business on the ad sales side is the Megaphone Creative Solutions team and um, we, what we do there is we are, are laser focused on uh, creating the the best um, you know on demand audio creative executions um, for our clients because po- podcasting is different you know it's it's um, it's really intimate it's really engaging and you know those ads have to be super organic to the space they have to be more native to the space. Um, it doesn't require a ton of disruption. It doesn't require um, a ton of, of in-your-face. Um, you know, I, I always, you know, and some people who don't live on the East Coast and in the in the tri-state area, when I talk about Raceway Park, anybody that wants to Google the Raceway Park ad, please do that. Um, that that won't work in, in podcasting. And so um, – you have this really engaged audience that is um, super connected with the content that they're listening to. You want to become a part of that experience. And so, um, you know, we work with a a number of um, uh, third-party vendors that uh, help us to identify uh, things that work in the space, Veritonic being one of them. But we have this super, uh, you know, a a number of other partners that we've uh, connected together to create this really unique offering in the marketplace so that we can identify and, and almost pretest um, what has the best opportunity for efficacy before we set that creative live. And, um, you know, this is something that we're laser focused on. So it's, it's that ability to, 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 to target um, the way that nobody else has been able to do it. But then that megaphone creative solutions brand team, our brand studio is, um, and, and and by the way, it's worth mentioning a lot of the folks that were working on the um, the custom brand advertising and the custom podcasts or or just the podcasts that we were producing are now on that um, megaphone creative solutions team. So they they know what works in this space from a content standpoint. Because at the end of the day, advertising is content, and if it's done right, it, man, especially in this space, it can be incredibly effective. Right, right. No, and and obviously, the great creative sells, right? And we've seen totally. that time and time again. And you know, it's it's a journey, not a destination, because what works today might not work tomorrow. What works for one audience might not work for another. But ultimately, True. you know, no matter how much analytics and data and attribution and all these other things that you have, you know, great creative. Well, well, if you don't put good creative into that funnel, um, then you're kind of starting, you know, behind the eight ball. And so, it's true. I'm always curious to hear, like, you know, just that decision-making process, right? Like, if there's, and, and if you have a, a good couple maybe war stories in here, they're always great to hear. So those decisions um, can be difficult. So no matter how good the creative solutions team is, no matter how uh, aligned with the client you are, like, how, how do those decisions get made about podcast creative? And, and by the way, the Raceway Park reference. Does that me, resonate? Brought Does me it? right back. I don't, I don't know if it's like that's a Jersey thing, you know, but I was, it could I was, be. I was it in be. my car, like, you know, a, as a child, like, you know, driving through Jersey, hearing that. I, I won't try to imitate that voice because I won't be able to speak for the rest of the day, but that's a fantastic reference. But so how do those decisions get made and, and what kind of happens out there? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I think – you know, when when I walk into a into a room today, and and the first thing I generally try to ascertain is uh, who here listens. You know, and I ask the question: Who here listens to podcasts? Who here is a fan? And and invariably, 
almost everybody in the room is is a, is is raising their hand or knows somebody that listens to podcasts. So they have a really good sense of you know of of what this space is, what it does for uh, listeners, the end users. And I think when I when I start to get into a lot of the uh, the research that we've done, the analytics that we can provide, best practices for creative solutions, um, you know, the the it, it it really resonates with people that you um, you got to be you got to be cautious and cognizant of things like sound design. One of the challenges in this space that we sometimes see. Um, is people want to overproduce and use really intricate sound design and sound elements. And from a lot of the testing that we've done, uh, partially on, on Veritonic for sure, it, it actually shows that you, you have to be really cautious of how, the, you know, how um, that, that sound design elements are really woven into the creative because if it's super disruptive – you know, people have a negative reaction to that. Again, it's about native and organic. So those things are, are really important. So, you know, I think I think as we lay out and, and we actually have these these tenants of of, um, you know, help helping to create the uh, the creative playbook, if you will. And um, and we provide those to our advertisers. It, it's not it's not uh, uh, difficult. We don't get a ton of pushback. But it's really enlightening to these folks because it's just different. It's different than the way that they've had to produce creative uh, in the past. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, we're we're probably doing today, you know, uh, ninety plus percent of the creative because that is a part of obviously the megaphone creative solutions. We we have an end to end creative solution. Um, we're we're doing the majority of the creative uh, for our our partners. Okay. And do, do you see people kind of coming in and trusting you on that? Are they coming with their own ideas? Like, what does that yeah. kind of handoff look like? You know, it's really funny. When I when we when we first started talking about changing our business model and and really building out the Megaphone Creative Solutions team, I, I was I was, you know, and and a lot of this was my idea, but I was kind of um, cringing in in the back of my mind because. You know, having worked in this industry for as long as I have, it, it's really challenging to get uh, clients and agencies comfortable with a third party um, creating their advertising. And, um, I, you know, I'll be honest, it's it's been uh, – folks have welcomed us uh, with open arms and um, it, it hasn't been as challenging – by any means, as as I thought it might be, and, and I think it just has a lot to do of our our lineage and our history. You know, we we've we've done this. I mean, we've been doing this for a really long time. So, if if we can impart that expertise, that knowledge, and help a brand achieve their objectives at the end of the day, um, that's what's most important. Great. Now, and I think a lot of people, you know. There's two things that are important, right? That what you hear is really important. You kind of talk about how intimate podcasting is, right? Yeah. And, and response to sound is such a powerful thing. And with that power comes responsibility. Great responsibility. <laughs> you got right. So, <laughs> um, and I think like, you know, being in that world and immersed in it gives you definitely an advantage. You're starting yeah. from a place where you understand the context. Um, the other piece of that is is being data-driven. And, and good marketers and confident marketers kind of have that data. And that actually empowers them to be more creative. And I think a lot of totally. times people feel that data can constrict uh, creativity and, and options of what you can do. Like there's going to be this, uh, you know, AI generated 
ad or like, you know, you're going to, the data is going to say this, so I'm going to have to do this. And that's really, you know, when you're kind of in the space and confident yeah. in marketing, I think it's more like, well, these are the things that can inform uh, what I do and inform my decisions. And then I can be more creative in those decisions because I have a chance to figure out what works and doesn't and then react to it. And when you have no data, you know, it's funny, it goes the other way. You kind of yeah. keep it close to the vest because it's like, well, I don't want to change anything because I might mess the whole thing up. Yeah. It's, it's funny how that kind of I think that's, to it. That's such an, <laughs> that is. It's such an important point. And, and frankly, I think that's why we haven't really received the pushback that I had initially anticipated is because we're actually, you know, we're able to show the data behind why we're doing certain things. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you an example. I mean, we just did um, – we're actually going out – um, I'm actually leaving tonight to to head out uh, to the to the West Coast, Pacific Northwest, and and meet with a client to talk about creative. And um, you know we've run a a, a B two B. They're they're you know, they've done a consumer on a B two B test with us, but um, you know some of the findings that that we had across B two B that that we're going to be providing to them tomorrow and I, I don't want to give away too much of this otherwise I won't have anything to present tomorrow <laughs> but um, y- you know there are some really compelling data points as to the the efficacy of a of a b2b campaign and um, you know it's 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 interesting so some of the things and I'll I'll, I'll share some of the things and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm I won't talk about the advertiser right. specifically but um, clearly stating unique selling points and concrete benefits up front in the ad is is super important in this space. Um, you, you know, you can tend to lose people because because the other thing, frankly, is um, a lot of these folks are taking advantage of of sixty second ads because their product tends to be a little bit more technical, a little bit more complicated. And you know, in my opinion, if you can communicate a compelling sixty second message. Um, and you really have the ability to talk through um, some of the more technical aspects of your product, brand, or service in that 60-second ad. And, and I will put that 60-second audio ad up against any other 60-second format, and I can almost promise you it's going to be more effective. Now, do you feel like that? Just to, just to cl- yeah. a couple of things. So first, best practices alert for the people listening out there. People love best practices, so yeah. um, you should pick a timestamp like <laughs> Here's where you get. Here's where you. Here's, here's where you get. Here's the, the silver bullet. Here's the money. Great yeah. um, but you know, so speaking specifically about B two B or B two C or both, when you talk about. Uh, so so, sp- I'll talk specifically about some of the B two B. Okay. Uh, more more. Okay. So speak. So B two B alert. So a lot of people think while well, advertising, I'm thinking you know major brands or things like that. But B two B actually is is well. A, this is a major brand. I mean, this yeah, is a major brand that has a has a B two B target along it. with a B two C target. Got it. Um, so, okay, so there's both, and I think you know B two B advertising though. I think for podcasts in particular, um, you know, usually it's, it's educational or, or informational content, right? So there's a lot of podcasts that I listen to because um, especially when I'm driving, right? Like you get yeah. content. Um, you know, I'm not going to fall asleep. Hopefully, while I'm, I'm driving, you know, and that's <laughs> time, yeah, that's my time to listen to things where I'm going to learn something. So it might be something about, you know, testing methodologies or yeah. or, or finance or these things that like I, I want to educate myself on. But like, you know, yeah. if I had to read all this or like, you know, and especially podcasts can be very engaging and very conversational around maybe dry topics. Yeah. So it's a great place for B two B advertising, and I think um, totally. So to your point, if there's a more technical product or these other things, 60 seconds is enough time to kind of make that point and the listeners already engaged. So just to give our listeners that context, totally. to kind of dive into these. And, and 
Uh, so back to the best practices. So, so first thing, I'll, I'll give a, I'll just yeah, give a couple of things yeah. that we found out. Mm-hmm. So again, and it's, and I think it's, it's super important to clearly, and it's on me thinking the testing shows that clearly stating unique selling points and concrete benefits upfront in that, in, in that message mm-hmm. is, is super important. Um, you know, we've seen scores spike after specific keywords and phrases like saving time, staying organized, automatic, and in this instance, battery life. I mean, that's that's pretty specific stuff, right? right. So, um, y- y- you know, these are the types of things that if, if we didn't have a platform and partners that can help us identify those things like, like Veritonic, it, it would be – it would be really tough for us to do our jobs to the best of our ability. Some of the other things um, that we found out, ads are rated, and, and this was important to this particular client, but ads are rated as innovative um, as, as new technology is being described. I can't tell you, you know, how important innovation is in this category, and, and we're seeing um, that really resonate in the testing that we're doing. Um, the, one of the other things that we found um, – in this particular instance, and I thought this was interesting, female voices actually had resonated better with with listeners. Um, ads with female voices were were rated as more authentic, more innovative, likable, and relevant. And and crazy, right? But when you when you have a product that can be uh, technically challenging, or to your point, maybe a little boring. Right. Let's be honest. Like something that can be a little boring. <laughs> you want to make sure that that there's a connection and people are paying attention. And and a, a female voice did that in this instance of of our testing. Right. And sorry, sorry to interrupt you there. No, for please. One second. The, the female voice thing. I've I've been it. You know, from starting at CES in the beginning of the year, um, yeah. and where we've been fortunate enough to kind of have speaking uh, engagements and panels are great at those conferences too, like whether it's South by or CES or advertising week in London and, and hopefully coming up in the fall in New York. And, and I was just actually in Canada doing it and the female voice thing, it, it comes up every time. And there's this huge gap between, and this is great because you can control the creative here, right. And you can kind of react to these things like, and there's much less female voices used, many less or however, mess my, my grammar up there. (laughs) Right. So like, but the, um, you know, the reality is like, you know, 70% of the time people are using male voices because it's just the way it's been done. Yeah. Right? And so here, if you see something that's more effective, like saying things up front or saying certain words or things that might be perceived yeah. as innovative, but female voices could be like a universal thing yeah. that should be looked at. And it's amazing how well they score. They, they, they almost always score on par or better. Yeah. Then why are they used significantly less? And it's a classic thing of just the way things were always done. And there's so many of those. And female voices is just That's a glaring true. example. That's true. And it's worth calling out again because I, I've, I've literally heard that every time we've talked about something, it, it kind of comes up. Yeah. Um, and, and it just comes up because it's a, it's a real trend that we're noticing across B2B advertising, B2C, podcasts, streaming, um, like any audio platform uh, out there. Uh, the, the, it's it's interesting for sure. Yeah. And, and yeah. people need to take note of it. Um, and and I, I sort of I sort of mentioned this, but again, the the music and sound design piece of this, um, it, it's interesting. Um, female panelists showed a, a, a slight preference for music and uh, rated it a little bit more highly, while older males prefer no music. I'm not sure exactly what that says about our species, but um, that's what the testing showed us. So. Um, Again, just interesting data points that um, we're able to provide 
to to our advertising partners that they they really need to they really need to think about. Um, and and here's you know one of the other things for um, for for brands too. Uh, you know what, while while listeners generally tend to prefer shorter ads. Um, longer ads are, are certainly acceptable when a product, brand, or service tends to be more technical or requires more uh, explanation. And and you know it's funny. I was out uh, you know visiting clients out of town a couple of weeks ago, and you know there were some. We, we had a, a bunch of CPG meetings, and and one of the things that that came up there as a best practice is if if you have a a known brand that's been in existence for an extremely long period of time that doesn't require a ton of explanation, you could do it in 15 seconds, 30 seconds, maybe max. And 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 actually consumers, uh, that really resonates with consumers much more so than if you try to drag it on for the entire duration of a 30-second spot. So just something else for, you know, for brands to consider in the marketplace. Right. Now, and this is another, you know, Advantage to giving Megaphone a, a shameless plug here. You know, when when you can control the creative and you have announcer red spots, if the host is male or if the host, you know, doesn't uh, kind of fit the description, that, you know, of a successful voice or you can tune that, right? And it's, it's totally. a way for you to optimize ads more flexible in a more flexible manner. Um, so that's really interesting. So give us an example. So now we've talked about some best practices, some B2B. Um, I think we looked at, you know, how megaphones different and the things you're doing that are different other than raceway park uh <laughs> you know what's a, what's a great ad ad creative like just uh you know just kind of maybe your personal opinion just of, of an ad you feel like this is this is something um that's a great example of, of audio creative um, yeah so we we um we did something again and again I, I need to be sensitive to uh specific uh advertisers but right. You know, one of the things that uh, that that we tried out that was incredibly successful um, was we we worked with a a major international airline carrier, and um, one of the things that we did is we we created three different executions that mirrored the in flight experience, um, you know, throughout the podcast. So we used a pre roll position, a mid roll position, and we actually in this case used a post roll position. And all of our research showed that in this instance, that post roll position got equally as listened to as the mid roll position, which was which was really interesting for us to to hear because generally we don't we don't sell uh, post rolls. We're all pre roll and mid roll, but in this instance, we did, and we worked with the brand to do it. But the way that we we mimic that in flight experience is, and we said, please, uh, you know, the pre roll, for example, would be, you know, please sit down and uh, fasten your seat belts and enjoy, you know, this podcast that you're about to listen to. Um, and then the you know the mid roll position would would mirror, uh, you know, hey, you're maybe experiencing. Uh, well, turbulence isn't the right example in this instance, <laughs> um, but it, it would mimic that. We're at thirty thousand. You can take your seatbelt off. You, thank you, thank you. That's, <laughs> that's even the, better. That's better. We're at thirty thousand feet. You can now take your seatbelt off. <laughs> that is much better. Um, but it literally it was it was that type of uh, an experience, and it was and it was married with the tagline of that specific airline, and it was something that that they had never done before, we had never done before, and it was uh, extremely successful. Um, One of the other ones, just off the top of my head, was a a financial services company, 
And because of the way that we're able to target, we're able to we're able to target life stages. And because of the intimacy of podcasting, we were able to very specifically speak to um, that that female audience that may have recently uh, had a new member added to their family, a new child. And and specifically speak to them about this uh, particular financial services company and what they were able to offer in terms of saving for that you know your your future college graduate, and so that that performed extremely and tested extremely well, and so I, I think look the the ability to um, to target at scale but but be able to provide. Uh, uh, really solid creative executions with verifiable data. I mean, that's that's what advertisers are looking for, right? Right, and and the, and I think what's what's exciting here, as as we both have a background in the in the digital world, and and where Megaphone is really starting to uh, lead the pack, is is on that appreciation of context, right? And and context is so crucial. You look at how targeted and dynamic the internet is today and how tailored those experiences are and how situational they are and how how that expectation of the end user is just there. Um, and and when you know ultimately for podcasting to be successful uh, over the long haul, but also to be a place where there's real ROI for advertisers of, of all shapes and sizes. Like you have to have that appreciation of context. So if the ads totally. are tied into that context and the creatives tied into that context, you get that great marriage between great creative that is in the right place at the right time for the right person. And that's, that's the holy grail of advertising or marketing, right? And so it is. So what's a mistake? So what's the other end of that spectrum? Now, don't we have to call and throw anybody uh, under yeah, the bus I, here? Yeah, I won't like, throw know, What are, what are some bus. things that like, man, like when people do that, that's just, <laughs> yeah, um, we 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 have gotten some creative that we haven't we haven't produced that was um, uh, more graphic probably than it than it uh, needed to be, and and in other con you know contexts, other media, you know that again you, that may have helped to cut through uh, the clutter, but in this instance, it was really off putting and. Uh, that that was a challenging one to to get across because it it was with a um you know a, a pharmaceutical organization, um but but we needed to talk them through you know the fact that maybe we need to tone this down a little bit, um and then the other one I'll just point to is is sound design. I mean it's again that that is um it, it can it can work really really well in this space, but it can absolutely uh, it can absolutely kill you if you don't if you don't do it right. Um so just just think about that. Right, right. For sure. no, and that's where that's where testing and testing these things, especially pre-market, is is a nice safety net to have because I think um, you bring up sound design. It, it can, when done well, sound design can can be amazing. Yeah. Um, when done well, a music bed can be amazing. When done well, you know, this voice or that voice can be amazing in the right place at the right time. And you know, understanding that before that's live is is crucial. It's got to be done yeah. right. I mean, it, it really does have to be done right. And and it goes back to that that you know that whole idea and. and if you've been in this space, you've heard a lot of people talk about it, but that whole idea of theater of the mind and, you know, again, I've already self-identified as a total geek in this space, right? But what what has um, really become interesting to me is to is to really uh, – to, to truly understand why voice is so impactful and, and what is it about voice that creates such a, a an incredible impact. And, you know, one of the things or number of things that I've seen are these neurological surveys that that will put things like video against um, just just pure audio, but podcasting very specifically. And and what 
they've come to understand neurologically is that um, when you listen to a podcast, it's similar similar actually to reading a book. You 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 tend to personalize because you can't see it. So you tend to personalize um, that character in that book or in that podcast that you're listening to. So it becomes super relatable to you because, you know, think about how many times you've, you've read a book and, and I'm a, was a heavy reader. Um, and then I went to see that movie adaptation or that TV adaptation. Right. And I'm like, man, like, that's not right. Like that character doesn't look like that. That character doesn't, sound like that this character just doesn't feel right and it, and it kind of ruins either the movie or the, the the story for me now that being said when it when it's done right it, i mean it's incredible right but um that's that's why that that's what um i i think the audio space brings to um to the end user is that ability to personalize and and really internalize uh, the content that you're that you're listening to, and and that's that's like nothing else in the marketplace today. It really isn't. Right. No, I've never been more disappointed than when I I listened to a couple bo- you know books, audio books, and then seen the movie recently, like in the last couple of years. It's like, the true, right? It's the worst. Yeah. Um, and I, I never had experienced that before, yeah. and um, it was it was a really surprising feeling um, for but, me. It, it just, it's it's. Crazy. And but, I won't, but I won't the name other, the movies and the books, but oh. we won't do that. But but <laughs> but the but the other thing this does, just riffing on this topic for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Is is um, again uh, under the the geek factor is is everything is is voice enabled at this point, right? I mean, think about it: the remote control that you use to channel surf, the um, your your car, which by the way, I mean, is is becoming the fourth screen once we we figure that out. Um, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be amazing. Um, you know, I was at a, a, a conference, uh, this is going back a, a few months ago and I was, I was, uh, in the green room, I was, I was doing a panel with, with a bunch of folks and I, I ran across a, a gentleman from a major paint company and I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is strange that I don't understand the connection here. This was a voice conference and, um, this particular uh, paint company was was putting microchips in paint where you can literally paint your house and you know you don't even need a a a device right you can just walk into your house and speak to your house and lights will go on coffee maker will start things like that so my only point is podcasting is is unbelievable um today i can only imagine you know where voice is going to go and where voice is going to take us with um, you know, with with things like smart speakers, with things like you know this this paint company that I that I ran across, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. it's it's unbelievable, you know, where this space is going to go, and um, you know, the Internet of Things is certainly going to come into play here, and you know, I think megaphone is is really well situated to stay you know ahead of that ahead of that curve because we're looking at all kinds of different things today. Right now, and we're we're excited. I mean, just to be here with you, like having this conversation. Um, we're very early in this, um, very even though early. it seems like it's been around for a long time. And you know, I look at my children, um, who are voice first. You know, I, I, yeah. my youngest is is five, and and she, her expectations is you know of the world is that you talk to things and you get what you want, um, especially totally. you know, before you can read and write. So that's like. You know, what happens is it's just like the internet. Our expectations of the internet and what the internet can do have changed over time. And, and the, the web has developed in, into a place that meets those expectations. For sure. And I think podcasting, you know, I don't know that our our children will call it podcasting, or what the, but there's an expectation that I'm going to get the audio I need on demand and that audio is going to suit 
my tastes um, in the way that I want them to uh, at, at the time I want them to. And, and it's, it's definitely not there yet. And it's great to see what, you know, what Megaphone's done. Um, and, and listen, I'm a huge revisionist history fan. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and one of these days, you know, it's on my bucket list to, uh, to interview Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, you know, well, maybe we can help you. He won't there. be as good as you, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like someday. And so, but I think like, you know, to that end, it's great to see this conversation starting and, and, and hope to have many more over the next uh, few years. As do we. It's, it's, ex- it's exciting days and uh, I, I can't wait to see, you know, what's next. Awesome. Well, thank you, Ken. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast production of AW360, the year-round content destination from Advertising Week. Visit AW360 at 360.advertisingweek.com and be sure to check out the other AW360 podcasts now available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Producers on this podcast are Richard Larson and Jack Hirschman with music provided by Audio Network. For more information on Advertising Week, the world's largest gathering of advertising, marketing, and technology leaders, now in five markets around the globe, visit www.advertisingweek.com. Mm-hmm.